0: Welcome to A Life More Wild. I'm Christopher Wilson-Elms from Canopy and & Stars and this is our podcast taking you into the great outdoors, helping you connect with nature. Later on, we're going to hear from the man who stuck a camper van to a bus to create an amazing place in the Lake District. But first, we're walking and humming a bit with Billy Martin. Billy is a singer-songwriter who takes her inspiration from nature.
1: But it's always been attached to my writing and it, and it always will, so I'm really glad that I've got that tag because not many people get that and that's nice.
0: She's going to take us on a walk down the Lee River in East London to show us how she still connects with the wild, even in the city.
1: Nice, isn't it? Dragonfly! We're heading into the Hackney filter beds, which are essentially large, sunken rectangles that they used in the 1800s to sort of eradicate cholera, which I think is really clever. And there's something about the sediment of the ground that kind of helped sift out the disease. And they've now become so overgrown and tired and whimsical that they're just enormous nature reserves, which I think is wonderful. And I get to walk here every day. So coming here, it's, I mean, one of my best friends, Katie, who does all the artwork and visuals for the music. We come here every week and walk two dogs that aren't ours. And she's unbelievably good at finding these kind of magical nature symbols within London. She's a magpie. And she's also a great spirit for appreciation, which I think is quite rare and we like to get in the river, which we're not supposed to do. So apparently we're going to gain extra fingers and toes and it's not great in there. I didn't know that at the time, but now they've put signs up and everything. We actually shot most of the artwork in here. I covered myself in mud and brushed my teeth with it and, you know, really got in nature, which was the point. And my other friend Lydia did the video for Garden of Eden, which was basically footage I was collecting without knowing in in lockdown, just on my phone, of anything that I thought was beautiful. And she was doing the same. She was in Brussels at the time, and we just have these immense phone calls trying to put together this vision with, you know, no money and no cameras and nothing. So... It was a great, you know, little exercise in understanding that that's possible and I think that that was what lockdown was for loads of us. It's kind of just the realisation of what you do and don't need. When I first started writing songs, we were living in and around Ripon and kind of villages and in the city itself and it was there was not a lot else to write about so it was really the only thing i could i could try and note down and i was listening to a lot of nick drake and he's got some beautiful lyrics about color and light and nature and he was very good at crossing over that Melancholic feeling with nature. And I just really resonated with that massively. It was like how my brain worked and what I thought every day. So that was good to know that I had, you know, another brain that did that. And um, I just started, you know, writing about my surroundings and linking it back to myself, which is kind of what every writer does.
2: sit down, stare out shut up and swim around sometimes there's nothing inside I am too, too bold without them I am too cold without I need friends and I want lovers Couldn't count on any others Today, listen, would you come down to the garden Hide away in moonflowers and the moss They say I am greener Jordan, the place I am cradled from the chaos. I am too bold without them. I am too cold without them. I need friends and I want love on any others.
1: for me it's just like nature is kind of it's a sigh of communication and it's just for me it, it evokes those kind of pent-up emotions and they're usually not negative but it's it's catharsis and it's comfort in blue which I just really resonated with at the age I was which was you know 13 14 and feeling a little weird and trying to um you know express my views to the world and desperately failing so I I kind of accidentally fell into music through this YouTube channel called On Sofa, which is a great way for unsigned artists to get something professionally recorded on the internet. But it was purely accidental and something mad happened with that video. People from London found it and then they started talking to me. And it was months and months, if not years of conversation. And I signed a development deal when I was 14. That was a couple of years of basically experimenting musically and meeting people in the industry and writing and trying out production and doing little regional gigs to get me going. Then I signed with Chess Club Records, who are off the back of Sony, when I was 16. And then I put out my first record, writing of Blues and Yellows, when I was 17.
0: There
1: was... Quite a story, sort of painting me in this kind of whimsical waif like tree nymph thing, which was not true. <laughs> but that's how people like to describe women in music because they have to be kind of mythical and mysterious and, you know, tiny like birds. And it's the way people describe women in books as well. And to be fair to them, I was incredibly young and vulnerable and quiet. So that's fair, but maybe they went a bit too far. But nature, you are vulnerable in it, but it doesn't mean that you're a vulnerable character. You know, you can stand to your ground at the same time and in life ways. Um, but it's always been attached to my writing and it, and it always will. So I'm really glad that I've got that tag because not many people get that and that's nice. And um, you can evolve still and you're not necessarily tied to a specific character but if I you know in the past I have written a lot about mental health and I have SAD disorder and depression and anxiety and all of that stuff and in the past if you mention that even once you then become you know poster girl for that which I'm not whereas with nature I'm glad to be a poster girl for that So it will, it will, you know, constantly be a source of inspiration. It's ever-evolving. And as are you. But it was something that I was very protective over and there's nothing else that does as good a job as this and it's there for you all the time. It's completely non-judgmental. You could be anyone in it and it accepts you, so that's nice. Um... this one's about a particular frustrating time for me living in London Was it was getting increasingly difficult to find those aspects of calm and freedom in nature and it felt to me like everybody was obsessed with the idea of competition and um, that is something that a plant does to stay alive and become alive and it was just an idea I had kind of thinking about all of us growing up in a greenhouse and um, not having space or light or water to move and live and we're just constantly obsessed with the idea of being the tallest flower or the ripest tomato and then in doing that we're not actually doing the living and the feeling part so I wanted to tie all of that into appreciation for living which is what the chorus is and Understanding that once we have the things that we need, we can, you know, live as normal and be appreciative of it. So, born into a nursery,
2: I've been growing leaf by leaf, Dying for the world to see. Ready, songs coming over me. Greener than the olive tree Riper than you'll ever be Waiting for the penny drop, Asking for the rain to stop Feet are always getting hard Competition for the space Nature of the human race everything will be replaced. Eat the sun and water up to be someone can't get enough. I want to feel alive.
1: This is the river on I left. Some amazing kingfishers in there. Maybe we'll get one. Also some really majestic herons. And they're my favorite. It's kind of the end of London. So everything's very calm and still. But this has ultimately come from the Thames, which is why we're not supposed to in it. Um, but today it's beautiful and clear and Tranquil. This is actually our swim spot. This is where we let go.
2: Roaring louder by the hour, separate the sweet and sour. I'm hungry for the power the sun and water up Give me some Can't get enough
1: we go. Pick a subject that you're really into, write loads of songs about it, and you could talk about it for the rest of your life.
0: <laughs> Billy Martin, chatting and playing on Hackney Marshes. Now, who knows where inspiration comes from? A few random connections in your mind, a timely word, or a chance encounter can lead you off on a path you'd never have imagined. Few of us, though, however inspired, would have come up with John and Hannah's incredible fusion of a campervan and a school bus that they call hinterlands so give us an idea of where hinterlands comes from what's the idea behind it? what starts it all off
3: so we're based in the northwest of the of the lake district in a, a valley called the lawton valley a bit quieter than the rest of the lake district but probably even more beautiful you wouldn't normally be able to stay at the top of a mountain or or down near a lake so had the idea of making these cabins on trailers and they moved to different locations. So at the moment, we've got the larger cabin down by a river in some woods. We've got the bus um, halfway up a fell and we've got the little cabin literally at the top of a fell looking down the the valley towards the lake.
0: Have you got a particular favourite?
3: Well, at the moment where the little cabin is, that's like, right at the top so the guests at the little cabin at the moment will be getting the best view of the year because it'll have to move down slightly shortly but it's as high as it will be at the moment.
0: Are all the locations really remote because that would be amazing just waking up in the middle of the Lake District on your own?
3: Totally remote so you're not on a farm, you're not close to any buildings, you're not close to anybody else's house or you're not close to another cabin. The only person would be like a a stray walker or something
0: Describe, yeah, if you can, the setup of Hinterlands, of the bus.
3: Yeah, so the bus is a short American school bus. And then we've got half a VW camper on the top, which forms a sort of bedroom area. So the two are welded together. Basically, you've got your living space downstairs. Um, and then there's a bedroom upstairs. Um, and there's a little winch. When you're downstairs, you can winch the ladder back up. The ladder took a lot of thought. <laughs> there's lots of little pulley wheels, pulleys and cables and things to get that ladder to go up and down. Um, the, the living space downstairs, there's a, a, a little shower area, which is, we, we tried to give it the feel of like, you know, as if you're at home really. So the the, the shower area, there's a thermostatic shower. It's clad in marble. There's a little compost loo with a little sink. Um, there's some little bench sofas, there's two wood-burning stoves. One of those is like a, an agar that you can cook off as well. Yeah, it's got to be the only bus with an agar in. Um, a lot of the materials we used were reclaimed, so we've got door handles from a hotel in London, we've got old um, bar doors on the shower in the bathroom, we've got cupboard doors from... I think it's the Victoria Albert Museum. Loads of little reclaimed thing, brass bulkhead lights off ships. So, what do you think gets the biggest
0: reaction from the people who stay there—the location or the bus?
3: I think it's part of the whole thing, really. I mean, all the accommodation, generally speaking, you have to have a bit of a walk to it. So, we generally say to people, you know pack light-ish, because there is a little bit of a walk. Depend- we'll tell them how far it is. But, yeah, so obviously walking up, people get an idea about the, the space and the view so that I guess there's a bit of a, a build-up as to somewhere you would just drive up and park next to it, especially with the little cabin on the top. It's a good 20-minute hike up there, and you're you with backpacks. You, know, you walk up through woods, through... Um, fields and then there's quite a steep steep climb so in particular with that one at the moment there's a sort of sense of achievement I guess at the end you know you've got a big hike up and then you arrive at your accommodation and the view is insane so yeah although the cabin's nice and things I I think it's just a balance between the two.
0: So what was the thinking behind doing those three spaces rather than say you
3: know a normal B&B? with moving them about you know you can be up near a waterfall you can be down by the side of a lake you can be at the top of a fell so you can get to these locations that you know you wouldn't normally be able to be and you can you can stay um in relative luxury (laughs) i mean i don't really like using that term because they're not luxurious but they've got everything you need but you know, there's no TVs or anything like that because you want to sort of be close to nature and we've got an arger, we've got wood burning stoves. Some people like to chop the wood. They're totally off-grid and that that whole feel, we didn't want to lose that with too many niceties.
0: Well, like you say, in terms of luxury, the only other way to get to those locations would be to carry a tent on your back.
3: Luxury, I think I was reading it in, a, in, a, in one of these books, but luxury is sort of the simple things really you know you kind of realize what the luxuries are when you sort of strip your life back a little bit and you know so luxuries become chopping wood to make heat you know to heat the bus or heat the cabin um or fresh water or you know a fridge to Cool food, those things when you're in that exposed environment become luxuries. You know, like it's like the simple things become. And probably, you know, when we're at home now, living in the house, I mean, a lot of those things that don't even mean anything to me anymore. They're not apparent. But if you if you if you're in the cabin or you're in the bus, those simple things, you know, when it's cold. It's not just a case of flipping a button. No, it's the heat's on when you get in. You've got to chop the wood and that, be, you know, and light the fire. And when that's hot, that's, that becomes a luxury, if, if you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> I've always found that when I go away to Canopy and Stars places and sometimes you think, what am I going to do for three days? And then when you get there and you realise, actually, you don't need to do anything because just kind of keeping things ticking over is is so sort of absorbing in a lovely way
3: when we first when i was first working on the bus so we rented our house out for a year and we stayed in the bus and we still talk about how that was the best period of our of our life to take because living in the bus in the middle of nowhere was just the whole process just slows your life down you know you if you need heat, you've got to, you've got to sort the wood out, light the fires. We had to strip back on everything. So we hardly had anything at the bus. We just had the absolute basics because there isn't a huge amount of space. You know, there were no quick meals sort of thing. We cooked everything from scratch and everything just slowed down. Life was a lot calmer. We, we played board games. We built a little vegetable patch. We grew our, our own vegetables. Yeah, it was just like the good life, I guess. I mean, it was just just being in that environment, you just naturally slow down. Whereas, you know, at home, you've got the computer on the go all the time, the phones going. you can hear people outside, people knocking at the door. It, it's just a, there's a sort of constant buzz in the background at, at home for us. But when we were there, everything just filtered out.
0: And that remoteness, I think, being able to get people out like away from everything it's just brilliant
3: yeah it's a it's a total escape if you didn't want to see another person for you know the week that you were there or whatever you wouldn't see another person you know some people come on on their own to stay um they get a bit sort of um a bit nervous sometimes just that there's no one there in case but you know we we travel about in the little buggy and things doing jobs um you know, and they've said it's nice to just sort of see somebody <laughs> other than sheep and uh, cows. <laughs> Do you know we get different types of people? There's, there's people that are very active. They bring bikes, paddle boards. I don't think they spend much time at the cabin and things at all. But there's other people that will go to the cabin or the bus and they what they've. You know, that's them. You know, some people just come in, they bring a load of books, they want to read, they want to relax, finish off a book they're writing um, and they just want some peace to just do that. that. That was actually just a local person 10 minutes away. They literally just wanted somewhere to go to finish a book and they just wanted solitude, you know. It's a mix of people for a lot of different reasons, but I think the locations offer quite a lot, you know quite a lot of um, freedom for people yeah
0: thanks for joining us for a life more wild i'm sure that's got your creative juices flowing and if you want to hear more of billy's music or book a stay and see hinterlands for yourself you can find out how in the episode notes you can also find out where to buy our book and join us on instagram at canopy and stars remember to hit that follow button in your podcast app so you can catch all the other episodes and until next time stay wild